Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. Just because you keep failing and you're facing one setback after another and you feel like you're seeing no growth, like that doesn't mean quit. It just means you're just in the thick of it. It's just hard. Mm. It's hard to blaze new trail. Yeah, and it's supposed to it's supposed to be hard. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Otherwise, everyone would do it. Like, so you want to have the the top podcast for people to learn about the art of comedy and learn about their favorite comedians. Yeah, a lot of people would like to have that. Yeah. So you're going to have to work way harder than your competition. Everybody would do it if it were like, I want to make a million dollars in comedy. Like, yeah, we all would like that. Right. You know, like yeah. we'd all be doing it if it weren't like the most hellish slog you can possibly imagine, filled with rejection and closed doors and bombing and people telling you you suck and Instagram comments and YouTube comments like, yeah, we'd all be doing it if we didn't have to go through that. Hot breath. What's goody, Hot breath verse? Welcome back to Hot Breath, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I'm your host, comedian Joel Byers, and our guest today is a living success story of that self-made comedy hustle we talk about here at Hot Breath. So if you're an aspiring comedian, a working comedian, or just a comedy fan in general, this show is for you. So subscribe to our YouTube channel, join our email list, and our guest today is gonna leave you with some great gems. She is actually a software engineer, turned radio host, turned comedian that just a year and a half into her career, self-funded her own sold out theater tour, and now much more. So please, welcome to the Hot Breathiverse. Hot brethren and sister and the one and only <laughs> Jen Fulweiler, everyone. Thank you so much. I'm a fan of the podcast, so it's a it's a big exciting thing to be here. Oh my gosh, you're a, I'm a fan. I of am. You. I subscribe. It's in my feed. I love it. I love what you're doing. I'm very analytical about everything I do. So I just love the way you you, you get into what are the mechanisms that makes this all work. I'm super nerdy like that. Yeah, and that's what I've learned from doing over 400 of these. Is like everyone kind of has their own approach to this game. There's no one way. Right. Because even like what you did a year and a half in, you're like, whatever, I'm just going to fund a theater tour. <laughs> like, and me, I'm 13 years in and I'm like, well, geez, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> why didn't I think about that? <laughs> like, so it, no one has one way, but the fact that you were had even just like the self-confidence or awareness to take that leap. Craziness is the yeah. word you're looking for. There's a little, it's a little bit of craziness there. Was there fear involved with that leap or? There was so much fear. The, okay, so the way, the way this works is I cold called theaters. My best friend and I cold called theaters. We would just do a Google search. Mm -hmm. I, I would look on Google Maps. I would say rent theater in, let's say Columbus, Ohio. So we would cold call them and say, hey, can we rent your theater? And they would say, uh, we don't get a lot of calls like this. They, I mean, they thought we were spammers or, you know, they, they thought that we, we were, I, they didn't know what to do with us. <laughs> so I also found that theaters are half price on Mondays and Tuesdays. So it was pretty much a Monday, Tuesday tour. I got a couple of Wednesdays, like big, big excitement when I could get a Wednesday. But I, I'd book them on Mondays and Tuesdays and you have to pay, you have to pay for the full the full price to book it. Mm -hmm. And so I had over $50,000 on my personal credit card before I put tickets on sale. And I'd never done anything like this. And my fans only newly knew me as a stand-up comic. I'd been doing it, but they hadn't seen a lot of it. They, I was a radio host. They knew me as a Sirius XM radio host. 
I will never forget the night before those tickets went on sale. I was actually in my bathroom because I, I thought I was going to vomit because I just thought I can't, I've signed contracts. I can't get out of this. And if I don't sell tickets, I think I'll still have to do the tour of it with like five people in the front <laughs> row. I was so terrified. Um, and then and then things came up like you have to get event insurance. So where do you get event insurance? You have to hire security. I am now licensed to sell liquor in uh, the state of Maryland because I, the theater wouldn't they, they couldn't provide alcohol. And I was like, I'm not doing a sober show. So <laughs> so I can now sell alcohol in Maryland. Um, but it, it was it was a thousand times harder than I thought it would be. And I think sometimes it's a good thing that you don't know how hard something is, and that's. I wouldn't have done it if I had known how hard it would be. <laughs> but it, it all worked out. It, yeah, every show sold out. In the well, two didn't, but it, they were like ninety percent. So effectively, every every show sold out, and we did uh, fourteen on that how tour. Did, how does that How does that feel? I mean, were you just like, I'm invincible? Like, it did kind of. Well, oh no, uh, the last show was mid February of 2020, so I perfect. very quickly did not feel invincible. Oh. But but you know what's interesting is there's I think there's a great lesson here in trusting your gut instinct because everyone except for my husband and my best friend to a man, every person said you're rushing this too much. Give yourself more time and start your tour in summer of 2020. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Just. That, that makes sense, and it did make sense on paper. I was rushed to the point of constantly having panic attacks, but something in me, and I, I, you know, I'm a spiritual person, I did the prayer thing, and I, there was some combination of gut instinct and call it spiritual inspiration or whatever. I said, it has to start in fall 2019. I can't explain it, but I can't wait until summer of 2020. And then who was right? Who was right? Yeah. Like, you know, so I, so I, I the, you know, for people who listen to this podcast, like I do to, to learn, you know, what they can apply to their own lives. That's a big one. If your gut instinct, e even if it goes against what everyone else is telling you, if your gut instinct is leading you a certain direction, you need to follow that. How do you listen to it? How do you? That's practice. Mm -hmm. That is doing a lot of crazy things, taking, you know, the motivational guys call it uh, massive action. Mm. So y you just keep doing crazy things and you watch how they turn out <laughs> and, and that that will hone your gut instinct. And and I, th I think it's hard to do. If you're 22, I think your goal would be to just start taking that action and observing. I think you're young enough that your gut instinct actually probably isn't finely honed. I, I would not have taken a $50,000 bet on my gut instinct maybe at, you know, when I was 19 because I just didn't have the life experience. Mm -hmm. But once you've gone on in life and, and you keep doing crazy things and seeing how it works out, you will start to have a very finely honed gut instinct. So you kind of, you think you know what your gut is saying, so you follow that instinct and see the results of it. And just yeah. the more you do it, the more in frequency or in tune you get with that feeling. You just start to get a lot of data, to put it in nerdy analytical mm. terms. Yes. You, you just have this mass of data of, okay, I, I've done a thousand crazy things in the past year, and I've just kind of noticed, here is how I felt when that turned out to be a good decision. Mm. And then here's how I felt when it turned out to be a horrible decision. Like, I should not have done that. I was being way too spontaneous. Mm -hmm. And and so you just start to observe. And, and it's well, you know what it is? It's like playing a sport. I mean, the first time Tom Brady threw a football, I bet he had to be kind of analytical and think about it. But after a point, you've just thrown that football so many times that you can really go down to almost an animal instinctive level. Mm -hmm. And so you, you got to Tom Brady yourself. You got to just keep doing it. 
until you can kind of operate off of instinct. And will you visualize, like you actually, like you mentioned prayer and such, but as you're praying, will you like visualize like a sold out audience oh, yeah. in theater? Oh, yeah, yeah, you go yeah. that far, okay. I, I'm really big on visualization. I think Ooh. it matters. I think it's really important. And so absolutely, I visualize lines outside the theater. I visualized that, the uh, you know, standing on stage, having a crowded theater. Because a, a big thing, I think, to, to meet crazy goals is... You have to believe that you can do it. Hmm. If you don't believe that you can do it, if it, if that just doesn't sound like something that would happen to you, don't even set the goal because you're not you're not going to be able to get it done. So, are you doing that every day? Like, what what is? Do you have like a set time to like visualize? Can you go a little further? Yeah, I do. It uh, when I I I had I tend towards insomnia, and so I've started to use that as a positive thing where that's my visualization time all right it takes me three hours to fall asleep well that is three hours of visualization wow. and uh and and yeah i'll go through i'll imagine just different goals like the other night um i i had a big recording and it mattered a lot and so i imagined myself on stage just crushing i i saw the faces of the audience laughing i imagined that footage being on youtube and and seeing comments like this is so great i'd, I'd you know i'd love to come see her live um so yeah, I kind of use I use insomnia to my advantage. That's my visualization time. Also, first thing in the morning, I'm not a morning person. It takes me forever to get out of bed. So while I'm lying in bed, you know, hitting the snooze button for the fourth time, I'll just take a goal that's currently important to me and I will imagine it in vivid detail. I'll imagine it happening. I mean, what 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 does the room smell like that I'm in? What am I wearing? What are my facial expressions? Who am I talking to? Like that level of detail. And it's crazy. It's like you you really start to think like, I think I can do this because I can see it. I can see I already saw it in my mm -hmm. mind. So I, I think that that is uh, it's probably the best practice I have is just constant visualization of, of where I want to be. Yeah, I'm I'm currently going through that and like visualizing and trying to or I'm not trying. I am. I'm doing. Jim. Yeah, good. I'm good, doing good. I am. Yeah. But I'm like trying I'm uh, oh, okay let's visualize me saying not trying so I will I will like feel the emotion as well and I'm thinking about how I will feel when this happens type deal and I've been doing it every morning and it's it's tough it's not tough but when when it's not there yet right type right. deal and you just do it as like that's part of your instinct that like I my instinct is telling me if I keep visualizing this it will actually come to reality it's more uh, reverse that my instinct is telling me to do this. It seems insane on paper, mm -hmm. so I am going to visualize it working so that I can imagine what it looks like when it works. So it's more like the gut instinct starts by saying, like, yeah, Jen, do it, do it, do this thing. Um, and then and then I visualize it actually working to give myself confidence that I didn't just make a crazy decision. <laughs> and I think with especially something like visualization is people can think, Oh, I just visualize it and then it happens. But even with your stand up, you were doing stand up in like your garage with yeah. your friends and family yep. giving you notes on your sets before doing this tour. Yes. So you were still putting in the work. Yes. So, uh, oh, 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 abs I work very hard. Uh, absolutely. Uh, a couple of the things I did, I wasn't well networked in Austin comedy when I first started. My network was in radio. So I got on as many shows as I could, but I was a little bit limited. I just had a lack of network. So what I would do is I invited all my neighbors and my kids and my kids' friends' parents 
and we would do what we called garage comedy. I'd set up folding chairs in the garage. I actually, <laughs> I printed out a set list with the, the topics that I would hit. And so I allowed people to make notes. I didn't do it like a formal performance. I, I would kind of speak through my set the way I'm, I'm talking to you, maybe, maybe punch it up a little bit, but it wasn't a formal performance. I'd go through the whole set and then <laughs> we would have a roundtable discussion about it. Can you imagine? And But what's so interesting is because it turned into this collaborative discussion, I, I remember one time a, uh, a neighbor, uh, one of the, it was a, a guy friend who drinks beer with one of my neighbors. He raised his hand and he said, okay, I noticed all the women laughed at this one joke, but I, I just didn't get it. There was nothing funny to me. I didn't even understand that you'd made a joke, but all the women were laughing. And so what I realized is I needed to add a tag to that joke to draw it out a little bit more for that for the men in the audience. And now I do that and it kills. Mm. And it, it it was just so helpful to have that um, discussion experience so that people could go back and forth and someone would say, honestly, Jen, that one joke was just not funny. Someone else would pipe in and say, I agree that I that didn't strike me as particularly funny, but what if you came at it from this direction? And then the whole garage would say, actually, that that could be kind of funny if, you, if you'd if you had a whole different attitude, like you're in favor of this instead of you're against it. Oh. So it allowed me to ramp so quickly. Um, obviously, for a comedian, the most important thing is stage time. That is, that is the gold standard. You should get as much stage time as possible. But if you can't for some reason, there are ways to get 70% of the value of being on stage. It's not perfect. It, I don't do that anymore because now I, I'm on shows more. But don't give up hope if you are not. If it, maybe you're in a city where there's just not much of a comedy scene. There's one show per week and it's hard to get on. Mm -hmm. There are ways around it to, to get you ramped and to get your comedy to a much higher quality level, even if you can't regularly be on shows. Yeah, and the pandemic taught me that even like doing it on Zoom yeah. isn't ideal or necessarily great, but you do get like real world feedback. Yeah, you get if feedback. anything, you're saying it out loud, which yep. a lot of times we just run it in our head, but it's actually saying it out loud that will ingrain it into your brain. Yep. And another thing I did, this is officially the nerdiest thing that I did, and I still do this actually, oh. is I um, I put my comedy in an Excel spreadsheet and I have it <laughs> I have my it conditionally formatted. Yeah. So after every show I do, whether it's at a dive bar or whether it's at one of my like sold out tour shows, I, I'll, I'll go in and so I have an Excel spreadsheet where all, all the punches are, those are the rows and then the columns are which show it is. And I rate the laugh level one, two, three, zero, one, two, three. And then it's conditionally formatted. So if it's a three, it's bright red. If it's a zero, it's gray. And so I put it all in, and what's interesting is it gives me a visual of the set. So I can look, like I was at the Creek in the Cave here in Austin the other night, and I, I felt like it was a mediocre show. I, I didn't feel like it went that well, but when I put it in the spreadsheet, I realized, actually, there's a lot of red on this. I mean, I got, I got more applause than I realized at the time, because I just couldn't hear it very well, because I don't know, there was something with the acoustics. I couldn't hear it. And so then to see it in the spreadsheet, I'm looking at the spreadsheet across all shows, and I'm like, man, when I go into this one topic, it's always red. It's just all, like I can't lose with this topic. And then here's this other topic. Man, sometimes it's zero, it's gray, and other times it's red. So is there a way that I can, the people who are not getting it at all and are not laughing, how can I 
broach the subject in a way that I can get them up to the red that the other shows are giving me. And it's insane. I know. Wow. I, <laughs> I I've so interviewed over 400 comedians on here, and I, I don't know if anyone has said they have a color-coded spreadsheet. It's so helpful. I don't understand why people don't do that. It's so helpful. Because you can see it's bringing in a different sense. We're used to using you know, our, our ears to, and maybe our eyes to understand comedy, but to just have it just bring in that whole different sense of like looking at it charted in a way. It mm-hmm. just... It just makes you understand how your comedy is resonating on a whole different level. And there's probably fear that there's nowhere to hide in the data. Like, oh yeah, no, you can't, <laughs> you can't hide. romanticize. You can't anything. hide. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like, oh that that was a hot bit. Uh, well, it's it's gray. It's zero across all. My, like people hate this. They despise it. Like I need I need to cut it or change it or something. And of course, that's not the only thing I use. I, it, it is important when you're data driven like I am to know when to let go and mm. just. Just relax and be yourself and, you know, it. of course that's important. But if you can learn to do both, you will be unstoppable. If you can get really deep in the data, fearlessly look at the data, and then once you've looked at the data, let go. And, and then just be in the moment when you're on that stage, you, you'll be you'll just be unstoppable. What's goody hop breath the verse? If you're loving this episode and all the other awesome content you get here for free, then you are going to love our brand new Hot Breath VIP list. All you got to do to join is go to hotbreathpodcast.com slash VIP, and you're going to get exclusive access to not just podcasts, but also other content like unseen interviews, merch drops, discounts, giveaways, and a lot more exciting things. And this is for everyone. If you're an aspiring or working comedian or just a comedy fan that loves getting those behind-the-scenes nuggets, you're going to love what we have here at the new Hot Breath VIP list. So go to the link in the description or join at hotbreathpodcast.com slash VIP and I'll see you there. Speaking of comedy, I've got to shout out the network behind this show, Big Laugh Comedy. They have been killing it in the Texas comedy scene, producing some of the biggest shows live and also podcasts like the one you're watching here. And even bigger news Big Laugh is hitting the road, bringing their best comedians and shows to a city like yours. So do yourself a favor, join their VIP newsletter, and get exclusive access to not just when they're coming to your city, but also even more fun content and even comedy news. So all you got to do is go to blcomedy.com slash VIP dash HB or hit the link in the description. We'll see you there. Should you do a voice recorder? Or video, like, how do you review your jokes? I, I do video when I can. Uh-huh. Um, so 90% of the time I do video. Every now and then, I just there's just no place to set it up. But, yeah, I, I do video as much as possible because I like to look at um, all of those elements, which is interesting. By the way, I started getting much better laughs when I stopped wearing, like, I, I would wear these light, silky shirts. And um, I, there, I just noticed, I was like, when I when I look back at these videos, there are some sets they should have done better than they did. Other people did well on the show. This is material that on the spreadsheet, you know, uh-huh. it's always read. And I, I couldn't get this crowd with me. And when I started wearing clothing that is a little bit tougher, like and I'm using that term loosely, but like a jacket that's a little tougher, I think I almost look like vulnerable or something on stage when I would wear these very light, silky, feminine shirts and I, I i actually am not sure what 
the res- what the the reason is. But video, looking at video, helped me see that I think I am looking a little bit off or vulnerable or something on stage. And when I started wearing kind of thicker jackets or just any kind of jacket that looked a little bit more like protective or something, the laughs went up. Like people responded to huh. me better. Isn't that surprising? That is wild. Yeah. And notice, okay, watch, notice, take a look at the really successful female comics who have broken out kind of organically, meaning like, yeah, they had connections and they were represented, but really, I mean, they, this was the quality of their content that sent them through the roof. Watch how often they wear jackets. Like you almost never see them on stage without jackets. Huh. Isn't that funny? That is so wild. Just know, you'll start to notice it. You'll start to notice it. Yeah, and I've never even thought about, like, I tr- I now dress nicer on stage to come yeah. off as more professional yeah. and presentable. So what you wear, I think, is something that a lot of comedians don't take into consideration. Especially Ooh, that, yeah. A lot should. of them go up there looking like they're homeless. Yeah. And they just think. Well, if that's your brand. Cause that's your it, thing, yeah. What gets laughs, I think, is um, what really gets a comedian to just have people rolling is it's a few things. But I think a, a real underlying foundational element is that people feel like they know you. They mm. know who you are. So to, to give you an example, um, I saw a guy one time. It was just an open mic. Um, he was very well dressed and ju- just movie star good looks. But his whole set at the mic was about how he doesn't do well in dating. His set was flawlessly written, great comedy, top quality writing, great punches, great cadence, great delivery. He didn't get laughs. And I think it was because he was kind of overdressed. After, afterwards, I talked to him, and I, he, he, was, he was quite short. So I don't know, maybe that's where he – he was a great-looking guy, but he was very short. So may, maybe that's where his, like, trouble in dating stories came from. But that's an example of – if the way you look does not match what you are saying about your life, mm-hmm. you're going to have a problem. So for some of the guys who look homeless, but they're talking about being broke and getting no women, it's like, well, that, yeah, that, you're, you're dressed exactly right, you know, for, yeah. your, for your character. Oh, I love that. Yeah. For, for people watching or listening to the podcast, comment on the YouTube video who your favorite comedians are, where they actually dress how they look. I think mine... Is, I mean, Sinbad is the comedian who really got me into comedy. I mean, yeah. Mark Lowry is... Are you familiar with Mark Lowry? Not as much. Oh, no. okay. he's, he's a storyteller. He does more churches. He's more in the church circuit, and he okay. sings a lot, but amazing storyteller. And then Sinbad is the one, first comedian I saw on TV, and mm-hmm. he's this fun, oh, yeah. just wild top, guy, yeah. and that's how he was yeah. dressed. So yeah. it mirrors how he is, like, performing and what he's singing it. It, that, it's interesting how you say it is more cohesive when you can marry what you're saying with how you look. It comes off better. Notice, l- look at Nate Bargatze's old clips before uh-huh. he had the beard. And he would, like, if I just saw a picture of Nate Bargatze circa 2011 or so, I just visually, I would have guessed he was from California. He just had that. He was wearing, like, one of those bracelets. The po- that, yeah, that, like, puka shell. Y- yeah, and yeah, all exactly. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, um, and, I mean, he looked good, like, no problem, but. It didn't match with the Tennessee accent and the Tennessee perspective. And notice his, I mean, I'm, I don't mean to say that Nate's like he only changes outfit and that was the whole thing. But his comedy had been brilliant for a long time. For he sure. had been on a lot of people's radar yep. as just like the best of the best. And I do think that one thing that factored into his career skyrocketing is that he changed his appearance to look like what you would expect a guy from Tennessee 
to look like. Mm -hmm. And I and I think that really changed. It helped. It helped push things over the edge for him. And uh, my manager, he's a brilliant guy, Reg Tigerman. He's so smart. And he says, whenever you're creating an hour or a, a five minute set, anything from an open mic set to an hour, he said, think of it like you are pitching a sitcom. Imagine that you are going to deliver this set in front of TV executives who are going to see if they can imagine a sitcom coming from this stand-up set. And so when you think about it, you're really kind of showing up as a character in a way. And of course, it has to be a character who is authentic to you. It's like Seinfeld. I mean, his character on the show, that is that is an element of his personality that's very authentic to him. Um, but in order to be that character, you know, if you're going to talk about how poor you are and how you're broke and your whole family's white trash, don't wear a tuxedo to that stand-up set, you know, mm -hmm. or vice versa. If you're talking about how you're, you're upper class and, you know, you, you know, your Ferrari mechanic is the worst, you know, if that's your bit, <laughs> then yeah, don't dress like a homeless person to that set. Mm -hmm. Ooh. I, have you, has your manager dropped any other gems? Like yeah, oh, oh, he's full of it. He's so good. Oh yeah, yeah. Gosh. He is. I'm so lucky. To, I. He's great. Yeah. yeah. Was that did you find? Because that's another part that I'm very interested about is the the business side of yeah. this game. Actually, turning your comedy into a business right, is right. something comedians at all level struggle with. Yeah. And actually, find an intersection between show business it's yeah. show yeah. is a job then the business is another yes and you seem yes. to be very good at both what are you what are you doing over there uh, well i come from, there? i come from an entrepreneurial background and i have six kids yeah. so <laughs> yes i gotta make money like this there is no room in our lives for this to be an eccentric hobby i mean from from day one it was like i have to make money mm -hmm. and you know, there's uh, there's a great book, Steal Like an Artist by Austin Kleon, who is actually also he's in Austin. Um, he's he's great. And he talks about how it just because you're trying to make money, it doesn't mean you've sold out. It doesn't mean that, um, you, you know, that you're not focused on your art. And in fact, it will elevate your art when you start focusing on money because you have to cut your own BS, especially as comedians, we are the most self-sabotaging people in the world. Mm. And when you just start setting financial goals and you're like, hey, these bills aren't going to pay themselves. So I need to start making money with this comedy. Your comedy will actually improve because you will you'll cut out the self-sabotaging. You know, you'll you'll just start taking yourself and this business more seriously. And so, yeah, I've I've I take I take the business side of comedy very seriously. What are some big mistakes you see comedians making when it comes to the business? Um, not setting goals is one of them. I, I've talked to, there are a couple of people in Austin. There are a few comics here that I, I just think they could go all the way. I mean, mm -hmm. I see it. that so, Some people thrive in clubs and some people are better in theaters. And you have a lot of potential if you can do both. And I, I have my eye on a couple of people. I'm like, man, they could do both. And I, I don't want to name them because mm -hmm. I have taken them aside after shows and saying, said like hey you're i mean you got it what what are you what what's your plan and they'll say like yeah i'm going to be on the so and so mic tomorrow but uh you know i'm going to smoke some with my friends beforehand and i'm like dude you could be like doing big tours by now if you would believe in yourself and set goals so just i think the biggest thing i would i would say to comics is you need to decide if you're all in are you all in? And if you are and you say, yeah, I'd, I'd like to do this, then what is your goal? Do you want a Netflix special? Do you want a national tour? And, and let me tell you, as a 
mom of six who had a lot going on in, in my life when I got into this, you can do it. If your goal is to do national tours, whatever, you can do it. But you have to decide you want it and you have to decide you're all in and you have to set those goals. And then the visualization thing we talked about at the beginning. I mean, you have to take yourself and this career seriously. But nine out of 10 comics I talk to, they're afraid to go all in. They're kind of like, yeah. I mean, they're on shows six nights a week. Obviously, they care about this. Mm -hmm. But they're afraid to dream bigger than just getting on the show at the arcade, maybe getting up at the creek. You know, it's like you, you need to think that that's great. Doing all those things are, are awesome, but dream bigger. And w let's say a, you set a financial goal. The, is the visualization, you're visualizing it in your account or you're visualizing like actual money? That, that's a great question. I, I tend, because having fans translates to money, I visualize myself doing the deep work writing great comedy, being on stage, and just having that reaction from people like, well, I need to tell my friends, like, man, next time this woman comes to town, like, we need to get the squad out. Like, we need to bring everyone because this is so fun. So in my, in my own visualization, I tend to more imagine more people discovering my comedy and saying, wow, I love her perspective. That's so fresh. That's so funny. Like, what a great joke that was because that will very quickly translate to money. I don't know if I'm doing it right. I mean, I'm not a millionaire, so maybe I'm doing the wrong visualization. <laughs> maybe I should be visualizing having a million dollars in my bank account. You know, when when I'm when I'm selling out stadiums, why don't I come back on the podcast? Of course. And I'll tell you uh, what I did financially. But right now, I just tend to imagine like I, I'm just creating content that is really funny and really meaningful to people. I like you said when you're selling out stadiums as well. I don't say if instead of if. I yeah. don't say if. Mm -mm. No, I say when. That's why. That's why I was ailing myself on trying. I was like, I'm saying it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, don't say try. Don't yes. say, just do. I'm yeah. doing. Don't it. try. Just do. We do. We <laughs> can self sabotage, and or and sometimes if something starts going well, I'll oh, yeah. like fear yep. or self doubt will creep in, and I I will start to like start to whittle back down and be like, oh never mind. Even yeah. though I do, I do want to sell out arenas. I I do want to be acting in like feature films, yeah. and I do want this podcast to be like the number one where people come to learn about their favorite comedians and comedians can come and learn as well. So I do have all these feelings and intentions and I need to match my actions with that more. It seems like you're taking a lot of action though. I mean, you're here in Austin. Yes. You know, yeah, I mean, it, it uh, yeah. seems, you seem like someone who is hustling and taking action. So it takes time as well, I guess. It takes time. One of the best things, I, I really believe that I was prepared for this whole career because so I had six babies in eight years mm -hmm. and during that time that's actually it's when I wrote my books I've, I've written books and uh, that's when I was doing that but but I, I didn't have a lot of time to work on that I was busy I, I was staying home with my kids but one of the things I did do and I could never have imagined how this would prepare me for comedy is I binge read books about explorers about like Ernest Shackleton uh, Alfred Lansing's book uh, Endurance about Ernest Shackleton and in 1914 he and his guys got stranded in Antarctica their ship sank this is 1914 there is no way to call for help and it's the true story of how they got through that about uh, you know people who um, uh, summited the first to summit, to summit mountains or people who survived shipwrecks things like that I, I could never have imagined how this would connect to comedy but one of the things you 
learn when you read all of these books about, you know, the first the first Europeans to come to America and just their explorations and things like that is when you're going into the book, you think, oh, that sounds hard to get to the top of this mountain. I bet this gentleman will face challenges. It will be fun to read about. You get into this book and you're like, I, I, I would just quit. I mean, I would just roll over and die and let the frostbite get me. I mean, this is too much. It's too much. It's too hard. And at this point, I have read like 25, 30, 50 books where you just you see what these guys went through. And it was so insanely hard. And they should have given up like 78 pages ago. They should have given up. Actually, another great one is Undaunted Courage about Lewis and Clark, the first Europeans to go from the East Coast all the way over to the ocean by what is now Oregon. I mean, you read this and you're like, y'all should have died 20 times. You should have given up. You should have turned back. This is insane. But it really conditioned me to this idea that when you're trying to blaze a trail, when you're trying to do something that no one has ever done before, however hard you think it's going to be, multiply that by 10, then multiply it by 20. And that's that's how hard it is actually going to be. And but it filled me with that fortitude and that just tenacity that I would have quit so many times if if I just, if I hadn't read all those books and understood that just because you keep failing and you're facing one setback after another and you feel like you're seeing no growth like that doesn't mean quit. It just means you're just in the thick of it. It's just hard. Mm. It's hard to blaze new trail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's supposed to it's supposed to be hard. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Otherwise, everyone would do it. Like, you, so you want to have the the top podcast for people to learn about the art of comedy and learn about their favorite comedians. Yeah, a lot of people would like to have that. Yeah. So you're going to have to work way harder than your competition. Yes. That's yeah. That's a good point. If you look at it from the outside, if someone says a goal like that out loud, you're like, oh yeah, that doesn't sound easy. That doesn't right, like it. Right. Will, it will take a long time. Everybody would do it if it were like, I want to make a million dollars in comedy. Like. Yeah, we all would like that, right. you know, like yeah. we'd all be doing it if it weren't like the most hellish slog you can possibly imagine filled with rejection <laughs> and closed doors and bombing and people telling you you suck and Instagram comments and YouTube comments like, yeah, we'd all be doing it if we didn't have to go through that. And now, especially as a comedian, part of the job is the, the social media side right. that one side you're like, well, you have to get on stage, you have to develop and get good as a comedian. We're also social media managers. Oh, yeah. you yep. know, we're also we're having to figure out content strategy and yep. being consistent with that while yep. also developing as a craft while also seeking out paid work. It's yep. There's a, there's a lot of plates. And you've embla you've embraced that. I love what you're doing on social media. That's how I discovered you. I wouldn't have discovered this podcast if you weren't posting clips on social. And a lot of comedians resist that. They say, "I wish it were like back in the '90s when you could just do great work and." and be a road dog and build your business. And I, I that's another piece of advice I would um, give to up and coming comedians is just embrace the landscape. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. It does really, really help you get your name out to, to post clips on social. And the thing that I take comfort in is we all complain about the algorithm. We say, oh, the algorithm, it's like not showing my stuff to people. The nice thing is if you post a clip that sucks, the algorithm won't show it to anyone. So it actually kind of protects you. The algorithm can work in your favor. So just keep posting stuff. If it sucks, the algorithm will see that. It'll see that no one's engaging with it. No one's commenting. Nobody cares about this thing you just posted. Trust me, it happens to me all the time. But I actually celebrate that. Like, okay, all right, that clip, that's not doing it for, for this audience. And 
good. Like maybe the people in LA and like, you know, producers, the Netflix people, like, good. Maybe they won't see that clip because uh-huh. the algorithm is killing it. But then you'll have something that goes viral and you'll be like, okay, th- this is what this is what people want from me. This is my character. This is the sitcom, you know, that they can see here. Yeah, and you have a very defined character. I, I guess that could also translate to finding your comedic voice in a yeah, sense. Yeah. So yeah. F- I I feel, I don't know, I'm still working on that. How, do you have any kind of like, um, I don't know, frameworks? Or I know you like data and oh, structures. Yeah, oh, yeah. Do you oh, have any frameworks oh. or anything to help to like for a comedian to find their character? Okay, I almost was not going to be honest with you about this because it's getting to the point where I'm just going to sound insane. Um, I have a spreadsheet. I no, really do. I'm with you here, Jen. I'm with you. my different... Okay, I put all of my social media clips in a spreadsheet and I see how they do. And I... Um, you you don't have to do... You could do a much simplified version. I actually calculated a ratio of like likes to shares. Okay, you don't have to do that. It's totally insane. But I, um, so I created <laughs> a spreadsheet of how all of my clips do, also conditionally formatted to go red, you know, when we have some good engagement, and when it, it's mainly shares, actually, that I look at. I don't care about views nearly as much as I care about shares. And um, that gave me my character, because, uh, so I, I do have a defined character now, but I did not. For years, I did not. And I'm interested in a lot of things, like everyone. I'm interested in a lot of things. Should I talk about, like, I was raised atheist and now I'm religious. There, there's there's a funny, there's a lot of funny stuff. There. So is that me? Am I that person? Mm-hmm. Am I the, the do I do religious type, faith-based, theolo- you know, theology sort of, do I do that? Or should I talk about politics? I have some fresh takes, I'm kind of independent, I'm not left, I'm not right. Should I do that? Should I talk about, I have six kids, should I talk about domestic life? And, um... What I ended up with actually wasn't what I wanted. It's not It's not the character I wanted, even though it is true to me. Um, but the data just showed me people want me to talk about the mom stuff. Like that's and, and I and I hated that because as a woman, you get very quickly pigeonholed as not being a serious comedian. Like this is momedy. I love your mom comedy. Mm. Um, so I didn't want that, and I spent years avoiding it. And um, and then finally, I was like, "Look, this spreadsheet is telling me <laughs> that I cannot. You got to listen to the spreadsheet." And so, sure enough, the more I found a way to lean into what people want from me, in a way that is authentic to me. So I'm kind of that like, I, I always say that my natural habitat is a martini bar in New York, like Midtown Manhattan, martini bar at 11 p.m. I mean, that is where I belong. That is where I come alive. And I am a minivan driving mom of six in suburban Texas. So how we reconcile all of those things is the heart of my comedy. And now it's fun, and now I love my character. But I got my character from putting bits on social media on different subject matter and just seeing what's getting the shares, what's getting the comments, what are people, what's starting a discussion. And I just saw that there was this enormous need. So many women were coming to me and saying, I didn't know that you could be a woman with kids and be – like that, like you are showing us this third way of doing things. And I mean, my fan base got so passionate. When my fans meet me, clubs talk about this all the time, they start crying. Like when I meet people after shows, very common for fans to start crying. 
because because uh, and not because like that was horrible comedy. Like I mean, they, they you know of course like they laugh during the shows, but afterwards they start crying because they're like Jen, you introduced me to a way of living as a parent, as a woman that I didn't know it was an option until I heard about your life through the format of your comedy. So that's what you'll find when you just put stuff out there, see what resonates. The marketplace will give you your character. They will tell you what your character is. What's a good data set? How many clips of each topic should one post to really get a good feel? I think it's going to be different for different people. I mean, there are people, uh, there's a comedian here in Austin, Holly Johnston. I don't know how long she's been doing comedy. Her character is 100%. I, I I have no notes. I mean, her character is locked down. There's another woman I work with. She hasn't had an opportunity to be at clubs a lot. She has uh, five kids. One of hers, uh, one of her children is uh, autistic, and you know, so as a special needs mom, she's pretty busy. But her character, again, hundred percent. I have no notes. She doesn't have to do the social media experiment. Mm -hmm. She's, she, she. Her character is so nailed. So I think some people. I don't they don't even need to do this experiment like they just got it they've nailed it um but if you're like you like me like I, we're just we're not as clear we don't you know it's a friend of mine was he was like I'm the funny fat guy like I'm fat I, I like to talk about it and that's always worked for me and from the first open mic I did that was just clear to me and so if you've got that you might not need that but if you're someone like us you know you there are a few different things you might want to go into I can't tell you how long it will take but mm. I do know You'll start to you'll start to see heat. You'll you'll start to see heat. It, also live, you know, when you're up in shows. Um, when the more I talked about being a parent from my unique perspective, the more live audiences too were. They were just waking up and they were responding to me, and it was like, okay, this is what they want from me. Like they don't want to hear about politics. They don't want to hear about theology. Like they 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 want the martini swelling mom. And I was like, all right, here's my. The market has given me my character. Okay, cool. Okay, well that that's encouraging then, because I mean I've been doing it 13 years and I'm still like, do I do marriage material? I like gardening. Do I talk about gardening? I I have a joke right now about how like a crazy night for me is my wife and I pop a melatonin, and <laughs> nice yeah, and it it's yeah. killing yeah, and I'm like, well that's new and that's a different kind of laugh. I wonder if it's like I'm an adult that's an old man. I don't, but I guess at the end of the day. And that's, I guess, consuming a lot of content and learning things. At some point, you have to actually practice it. You actually have to put it yeah. into practice. So I can sit here and hypothesize, but until I actually go out and actually test these things a lot, then that's when I'll really know. Okay, do you want to know how I would analyze that? If yes. I Okay. Please. All right, so what I would think Please. is what conflict, what internal conflict is this resolving for people that makes them explode in laughter when you say that? What what conflict is in their own hearts that is like, oh, oh, thank God, you know, when you say that? I don't think people want to do anything. I don't think yeah. people want to go out. Right. I, don't, I mean, especially since the pandemic, like, right. oh, I can be home yeah. type deal. So yeah. like, the fact to go out, to be at a show at 10 p.m. Right. And actually, and probably have been drinking some, so they're already tired. So the fact that someone's like, oh, I could go for a melatonin right now. Yes. Maybe there is that feeling, yeah. Your, your fan base will take off when you give people 
permission in a certain area of life. So you are giving people permission to say, yeah, you know what? I don't want to go to the club. Like, I, I don't want to go out. I like the, it, it's actually okay because this guy, he has a microphone. He's on stage. He's an authority figure. And he's telling me that a big night for him is popping a melatonin. So, you know what? Thank God. I feel so relieved that I don't have to go through this charade anymore that, that I want to go do the cool things or whatever. And, and I started to see uh, similar moments when, like, I would say, um, I've had to do, I, I would say parenting is really hard. I've had to Google what to do when your kid's teacher has an anger management issue, how to handle classroom bullying. Other than that, homeschool went pretty well. Uh -huh. and, and that always gets a big laugh. And, you know, certainly for the parents, especially that everyone homeschooled at one point during the pandemic. And uh, so for the parents, there's, I am giving them permission that, you can just suck at all of this because obviously like I'm I'm an authority figure when I'm on stage and like wow this authority figure sucks at this like that's a really encouraging and um but even for people who aren't parents they're like yeah there's something really important in my life that I'm failing at and this woman is giving me permission to just laugh at it and when you can start giving people permission to do what they kind of felt like they should be doing but society is like telling them they can't watch your Instagram numbers go up and up and up and up and up. So following that premise, perhaps it is about the charade of being an adult and all the things yeah, we yeah. do yes. that we really don't want to do. Yes. Yeah. And that, you know, that fits with your look too. Like if you had face tattoos mm -hmm. and blue hair and dressed in like leather and spikes that wouldn't be believable that that you're just like, I just want to stay home. You'd be like, no, this guy's at the bar. He's starting fights. But you look like a guy who is like, you know what? I just, I would like to um, balance my grocery budget. And it's like, you and, and so many people, they're like, I'm that guy too. And man, he's given me permission. Like, yes, I can just go home and like, binge watch a show and I don't have to like go shop for like some, the latest trending outfit, whatever. That you you will you'll have fans crying too oh, when you keep that. giving people permission to be the person they always wanted to be, but they didn't know it was okay to be. That's a bar right there. That's bars right there, Jen. Man, that's how you end up with lines of fans crying when they meet you. I look forward to it. You see it's that? Fun. You see that? I visualize. I manifest. Yes, you're that. right. Visualize yeah. it. Visualize it. So a part of finding your character, and this is something I ask on this show every time, is I ask comedians about like their worst bombing story <laughs> or getting booed or something oh that happens. What, what comes to mind in oh, your well, career? There's, I mean, okay, uh, I'm, I'm a clean comic female in Austin, which is known for edgy comedy. Mm -hmm. I have bombed to the point that I was exploring the witness protection program. <laughs> like, is should I change my name? Um, you may be familiar with the Vulcan. It's yes. here on Sixth Street in Austin. And there were a couple of times when I, um, I don't know if anyone laughed. <laughs> like, yeah. at point. And this is, and by the way, an interesting note on this is I hadn't found my character mm -hmm. and I, I hadn't relaxed into an, another little tip is I've just been visualizing anytime I get up on stage, I'm like, I'm talking to people at a party. So whose party am I at? 
because if you want to crack people up at your grandmother's Bible study tea at 10 a.m., you are going to speak and have different mannerisms than if you know your your edgy friend who's an alcoholic and invites you to a party that doesn't even start until 11:30 p.m. and people are doing keg stands when you walk in. You can crack people up there too. You're just bringing a different version of yourself. So I, I didn't have that insight yet. So I went up with a very rigid robot set where I was going to deliver my lines. It was shortly after COVID. I hadn't been on stage a lot. And um, the host left, so I couldn't cut my set to two <gasps> minutes, which is what I want to do. Because I, I, I didn't see um, – uh, yeah, I didn't see the host. Um, the, uh, uh, one of the best comics working today, Isan Ahmad, was – he was right after me. He had just moved to Austin. We all just met each other. Oh, that's right. That's right. No, no, the host hadn't left. We were doing shotgun, but I didn't see Isan. Uh-huh. And um, but I knew I was supposed to bring him up, and I'd been so nervous about this that I I, I just met him and I forgot how to pronounce his name. <laughs> and so and then so then I I I don't care about anything else. I, I'm like, okay, my set's done. Like I'm toast. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to a comedian. But now, like, what? I'm like, how do you pronounce his name? How do you? I can't be that person, you know, who's like, and um, and I, I, I just, I just ate it for um, twelve minutes, which felt like fifteen hours. <laughs> yeah. People were just looking at me like this poor woman. Is she lost? Like, is she? Maybe she thinks this is the PTA meeting. Maybe yeah. this is why she's here. She definitely does not belong in comedy. And then I mispronounced Isan's name and slunk off the stage. Yeah. So um, that was that was like it was uh, like early right after the pandemic. So this is after you've sold out theaters. Yeah. And oh, I've like, sold out oh, theaters. I'm killing it. Oh yeah. And then you're... oh yeah, yeah. No, there's nothing like going up in front of people that have never heard of you that, because that's the thing when I sold out theaters those people knew who I was so it was my fan well actually the other thing is but that hour was it, it was a good hour I mean that was not just my fans giving me credit that's the hour that I did all of the um I did garage comedy I did the spreadsheets and I did work that out in Austin clubs so it was a combination of it was that's my special the naughty corner it's on mm-hmm. Amazon it, it's that's a solid hour so this was also kind of some new material that uh-huh. I was working on but I will admit it wasn't all new material. I mean, I would love to tell you this was my experimental stuff. Like, right. no, some of it um, was tried and true, and I just wasn't bringing the right energy. I, I just wasn't. My performance sucked. So, and I, I have a, there are a few more stories of me going up in Austin, and because the other thing is. Because I've sold out theaters, they often put me on more in like a headlining role at the end. So I'll be comedian number six of eight. Mm-hmm. Horrible mistake because it'll be someone talking about the filthiest stuff you can possibly imagine, every graphic sexual detail, and killing, like being hilarious with, I mean, this is like triple, it's beyond art. This is like triple X-rated content, but super funny. Okay, this I, I, I bombed horribly. It, my most recent bomb, <laughs> a couple months ago, um, at a show up north here in Austin. Okay, so this guy goes up, like he's it's it's not a clean set, you know. So he's he, and he's crushing. I mean, just crushing. So then um, the host goes up and is trying to be nice to me, and they're like, "You guys won't even believe it. You won't believe it." 
we have a headlining touring comic. She sells out everywhere. She has an Amazon Prime special. And I had just done this show at the last minute. I was, this was all new material. I was just going to get up there and riff. And I'm like, oh, no. No, 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 because this guy, I mean, the, the people were literally grabbing each other and wiping tears out of their eyes at how funny this guy is. So now when I'm introduced that way, like she is a, she, that guy didn't sell out theaters, but this woman does. They're thinking like, we are about to experience the most incredible, shockingly hilarious comedy that anyone has ever heard. And I get up there and I'm talking about my minivan and life <laughs> at like the parent teacher conference. And I, I just bought these people like, what is she? Can we get the other guy back? Like, why is she here? And certainly we don't believe that she sells out theaters. So um, that's another struggle for me in Austin is clean comics should go up first. And when I'm put at the end of like a hilarious and filthy show, it's I've learned how to make it work. But that was a big learning curve being like only female, only clean comic at the end of a, a show that's filthy and it's all men. That took a little studying yeah. to be able to do well in those spots. <laughs> and how do you bounce back? Like sometimes we could be super down on ourselves. I get drunk. I, I, yeah. look, I, don't, I don't have any. T I'm just like I complain to my friends. I, dr I I have no healthy. I don't. I don't have any healthy coping. I, I get so mad. I, I'm livid when I bomb. I hate it. I don't have any healthy coping mechanism. <laughs> you don't, don't have a spreadsheet for that. I know. Yeah, yeah, I should have a spreadsheet of like, okay, when I drank the vodka as opposed to doing the tequila shots after I bombed. I don't, know. I don't have anything. I nothing on that one. Well, I, this is this has been amazing, Jen. Honestly, so fun. Thank you so much for dropping all this spreadsheet. Yes, I know. I'm here. I'm here with here. the spreadsheets. Yes, yes. I'm so excited. Yeah. I uh, one of the things I'm saying in my current hour is. Um, uh, I was talking about keeping kids from seeing inappropriate things on the internet, and a fan told me, she said, um, she said, yeah, I used to send racy pictures to my boyfriend when I was a senior in high school, and I did it by embedding pictures in a shared Excel spreadsheet because my parents never looked there. And I was like, is that my ultimate fantasy? Like, I mean, <laughs> I'm not a sexting person, but if I were, like, I mean, I think like that my whole life I've just wanted my husband to look into my eyes and be like, Mansell D17, like, woof, really? Got, I made a chart out of it, you know, like that pivot so, table, really? Yeah. yeah. So I, uh, no, I'm, I'm such a spreadsheet person. Yeah, totally, hundred percent. Well, before we get out of here, is there any closing favorite comedy advice you have, or anything you want to leave the people with? Yeah, um, it, I want to repeat what I said earlier to, to the comedians listening. Go all in. Go all in. Or, 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 or decide. Actually, here's, you could decide I'm not going to go all in. I have talked to people that they say I have a day job that I like, and I, actually, I just want to do mics, occasionally get 10 minutes on a show, and I am actually happy with that. I, I don't I – don't, want anything beyond that and I'd like to just be a great local showcase comic and if that is your goal awesome I mean set, set goals around that visualize really killing at, at your local brewery when when the people come out to the brewery but if you want more than that admit it don't feel guilty about it own it don't make excuses I have six kids don't make excuses and go for it and go big and make the decision that this goal is is good and you're not going to quit and you're going to keep working until you get there. And let me tell you, 99 out of 100 comics don't do that. Maybe 999 out of 1,000. So if you do that, I, I think you're going to get there.
Well, where can people that heard this and felt <laughs> inspired, right. where can they reach out to you? And well, I have a podcast. I love my podcast. It's so much uh-huh. fun. It's the Jen Fulweiler Show. Um, I just, I love that. I love my podcast so much. I have so much fun with it. And you can see where I'm going to be on my tour at jfcomedytour.com. jfcomedytour.com. And if, if someone wants to contact you directly, what's the easiest or best the way? The best way, jfcomedytour.com. That'll take you to my whole website. It has my assistant's contact info. It is honestly better to go through her because she will make sure that you actually get a reply because I can't deal mm. with stuff like that. So <laughs> her uh, her name is Caitlin. She is awesome. She's also my podcast producer. So just shoot Caitlin an email with whatever you want to say to me, and then she goes over all the emails. We talk about it, and I tell her how to reply. And it's it's much much more streamlined way to get in touch. I love it. Well, Jen. Thank you so much for being on Hot Breath. Yes, this is an honor. I'm a big fan, so this is a big day for me. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. All right. Hot Breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.